This is the I Read Comic Books Podcast. I am your host, Mike Rappin, and with me this week for a very special mini-sode is Kate Lamphere. Hi. And Liz and Jimmy Reed. Hello. Thank you guys for <laughs> thank you guys for joining us this week on the show. Um, I'm very excited to talk to you. You guys are comic book creators. Could you tell us a little bit about yourselves? Uh, yeah. So we go by the artist name Cuddles and Rage, and we've been making comics uh, for around 10 years. We started off making just hand-drawn comics on Tumblr, uh, just as a creative output from our 9 to 5. And then right. somehow that grew into going to indie comic shows and then magically grew into not only drawing comics, but then sculpting them and turning them into dioramas, which um, is kind of our, our crazy thing that we do. Yeah, that's so. I mean, just to kick things off, um, when I, I I first got an email saying, "Hey, do you guys want to talk to these people about this book?" Um, and then I saw some previews of the art. I was like, I wasn't sure if it was like very meticulously drawn to be real life, or if it was photographs. I, I guess for folks who aren't looking at it right in front of them, could you describe a little bit of what like your art style is for when you're creating comics? Because we we were here to talk about this book, um, Bites of Terror, which recently came out, or is it about to come out? I can't. I'm not sure. Oh, it, it just came out. Yeah, just on March came out. 24th. Okay. Right, right. And uh, yeah, the the style of this book is is really cool. Um, but yeah, could you guys describe just a little bit of what your style is like? Yeah, definitely. So uh, most of our work is hand sculpted uh, out of polymer clay. And so we sculpt our characters, we pose them in scenes kind of like you would do stop motion um, animation, although we're just taking still images of, of those pictures. So we work with a bunch of different kinds of mixed media, really kind of whatever we can get our hands on to make the scene come to life. So mm-hmm. you know, our materials range from dollhouse furniture that's been pre-created to finding ways to use coffee grinds. Liz goes stick hunting. I, I do go <laughs> stick hunting. It's amazing. Uh, so it's a mixed media uh, set of comics, set of art that we make. Gotcha. Yeah. And I mean, Kate and I had the privilege of, you know, being able to check this book out a little bit early. And um, man, it's it's really, really cool. Like the, the, the style itself really... Like it totally pulls you in in this very like cutesy but terrifying way. I mean, <laughs> Bites of Terror is this is a is a horror anthology, I guess. Um, that's that follows a an overarching story involving a handful of different characters with little little like side stories about different types of food. Um, <laughs> I I really really enjoyed reading through the whole thing, and it's it's done in this this mixed media format. I I thought it was such a cool way to to tell a story. Um, especially like the, the way that you guys, I guess, structured the whole thing with an overarching story. I guess, what was your, your big inspiration for this whole book? I, mean, I think it's just our love of horror and horror anthologies in general. I mean, even though, um, like with Bites of Terror, it's definitely more weird than scary. Mm-hmm. Um, it let us celebrate a genre that we grew up on and in our own voice, which, you know, most of our comics are food related. Yeah, that's and I, I think that the the number of puns in this book, I was trying to keep count and then I couldn't stop reading and keeping count at the same time. So I I had I just, you know, read the entire thing. But yeah, the number of puns in this book is is astronomical. Um I'm very, very happy. <laughs> yeah, we try we try and to strike a balance of the obvious ones and maybe the not so obvious ones. I mm-hmm, mean the, mm-hmm. the funny thing about puns is that you can you can have so much fun with them, but um our goal is to definitely tell a story and not have them hopefully detract from the the feelings and the emotions of the characters because even though we're writing food and bringing them to life like we we take all of their 
pains and woes very seriously because it, it mm-hmm. feels like um a you know a story won't come through if you just think that you're writing one huge joke yeah i was definitely impressed with the way that you would use food terms right in the middle of of what the character was saying and i just like breeze right past it and then it'd be like wait a second that was a pun <laughs> <laughs> it was very natural Oh, that's great. Uh, thank you. Yeah, we do a lot of cooking and eating here. So, <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, I guess this this whole story, you know, it revolves around a bunch of different uh, food and stuff. Did you have a favorite story or a favorite food that you were you you put together as one of the stories? Oh my gosh, uh, the thing we tried to do was to make sure there was a good balance of foods. We tend to mm-hmm. gravitate toward dessert. <laughs> yes. Uh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, dessert or breakfast. <laughs> so that was kind of a, a challenge for us as we were starting out, just trying to make sure we had a good spread of foods and not every story was about a donut or a cake. Um, mm-hmm. Although my favorites in the book are um, the unfortunate cookie story with the the fortune cookie, and I also love mm-hmm. one that Liz did. Um, it's the very last story in the book about the peach. Oh, preserved. Yeah. yeah. And mm-hmm. I think my favorite story. Um, is potluck, and I won't say why, but I had a lot of fun sculpting that one. Gotcha. So, so between, um, I guess re- responsibilities in the book, who is, is one person doing more of the sculpting, and the other person doing more of the writing, or is it a, a like even mix? Um, well, I do most of the sculpting, uh, but Jimmy definitely hopped in and sculpted on this one, especially with the mm-hmm. story he mentioned, "Unfortunate Cookie," because they were just like there was a cookie funeral, which was like, lots of cookies attended. So I was like, "You're gonna, mm-hmm. we're gonna sculpt together on this one." Um, but when it comes to the creation of the story ideas, that's very fifty-fifty. And when it came to writing the stories, um, I wrote five of the stories, and then Jimmy wrote five of the stories and then the main through line. And then it's still very collaborative, even though we both take on the the bulk of the writing because we're going in and editing each other's stories as well. So nothing makes it through unless we both approve it. Yeah, right. Very cool. So how did you come up with the original idea for that Tumblr comic? Oh, gosh. Um, well, it kind of started with the name because the name Puddles and Rage actually comes from us co-op gaming um, where Jimmy's like very strategic and I just go in crazy lady like if I, if I hit something I'm good <laughs> I was the rage part and he was I don't know why he was the cuddles part I guess because they put so much care into his strategy um, but it also just kind of lent itself into our, our dark humor um, and with our humor in particular over time it's it's become more of this but we love dark humor but we like to make sure our humor is not mean so mm-hmm. it just kind of fits in with the whole cuddles and rage idea that just kind of started on a whim. Yeah, we we love that idea of salt, something salty and something sweet together, um, of combining two things that maybe don't normally mix that when you put them together, you get something different out of it. Gotcha. Cool. Is that is that Tumblr blog still up? Can I follow it? <laughs> yeah, it's still up. You can follow it. And then there are some comics that we don't post on our actual website that are still on Tumblr. So you can see like the dark side of Cuddles and Rage before <laughs> we became a little sweeter. We, it was it was very hardcore horror at the start, <laughs> but sometimes without any rhyme or reason, um, which I still think is funny and great. <laughs> yeah, it was part of the process of finding our voice. I think when when we started out, it was just about expressing something and 
trying to make our friends laugh. And as that started going, we started trying to make the stories more interesting to us or, or kind of putting some heart behind it. And I think that's kind of how it evolved. Yeah. And we also were huge um, movie buffs. And so um, for us, through our film club or just through watching movies together. Um, once we started writing our own stories, we would dissect the stories that we were watching or consuming. And I think that's helped us grow as storytellers. Hopefully you can see that when you go through the blog early, like <laughs> 2008, 2009. <laughs> All right. So do you guys have any background with like being trained to sculpt or write or uh, draw or anything? Like what is your education background? We both went to school for video-related things, so you know, my concentration was in digital video. Yeah, yeah, mine was also in digital video, but in, like, documentary filmmaking. That's why I loved your last episode so much. I was like, oh, another documentary I can check mm. out. Cool. Um, so, yeah, with that background, that technical background, I think that's um, helped us learn a lot of different processes and softwares pretty quickly. But when it came to learning how to sculpt, I learned from a bunch of 10 year olds on YouTube. They are <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah, totally. And um, when it came to the writing process, I mean, I, I have this kind of bad habit of like wanting to consume books on everything before I actually do the task. So, um, you know, I think we did a mixture of writing and then also just for me personally, I, I consumed a lot of books on storytelling just to make sure yeah. that we keep our stories really concise and quick. I tend to get kind of bored if a story goes on for too long. Yeah, I, I mean, not to 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 poo poo on long stories, but that was kind of one of the things I really liked about about Bites of Terror was that each of the stories didn't get so long that I felt I was like, okay, when are we actually going to get to the end of this? Like they were quite literally perfect bites of, of story to actually um, keep the pace of the book moving um, quick, quick enough that I read the entire thing in a sitting and I, I wanted to get to the end because I was so excited to see how it was all going to twist. Um, and I think that that the pacing of that really, really helped. So like, kudos to you guys for for keeping my attention. Uh, <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, thank you. We definitely like to read it and embed at night so it's like can you maybe do like a story at night <laughs> sort of thing if you want to not not read that long so yeah yeah <laughs> um you know one thing i found that was really interesting is looking at either the comics that you guys have done like online digitally and then looking at this this new book um the thing that blew my mind was to see how like perfect you were able to get your sculptures to look like your drawn art like could could you guys maybe explain how my brain may like can understand that because i don't see how you could draw something and sculpt it to make it look that close because i'm just not an artistic person but like it feels like like a very natural um progression of your digital art into a 3d form um was there some sort of process that you guys did to make sure that you matched up the styles or um is it just that's how you sculpt things i don't know um i think we i guess when we're drawing something. I, I usually try and keep it pretty simple um, so that I can easily translate it into a sculpture. Mm -hmm. uh, and that kind of came up um, in a really, really interesting. Oh, sorry for the cat meowing. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, but so Jimmy would write a story and then he would 
put like I don't know a convenience store in there, and I'd be like, I don't know how to make that. <laughs> like, I can maybe draw it. So then I guess that's where the drawing becomes really important because you want to draw it as simple as possible because you know the amount of time that it will take to make that. So we did encounter like some challenges along the ways where maybe it'd be easier to draw it than to build it. But I think we always came in the middle and found a happy medium. And the key to dioramas, which I think um, kind of tricks the eye into thinking that there's more going on is just to make a variety of texture. Like you don't want everything to be, to feel the same. Um, right, so right. I think that's what kind of helped us make it look like more was going on than what actually was. Yeah. And our, our process is, we go through a number of steps. So there's a sketching phase for all these stories to try to work out what do the characters look like. And Liz and I are both heavily involved in that part of the process. We share things back and forth. Mm-hmm. Uh, and when we bring things into story realm, we uh, do storyboards also sketched. And that gives us the chance to look through that and figure out, okay, how are we going to make this convenience store? Uh, how much convenience store do we need to show? These kind of things. <laughs> and how many different textures uh, are we going to add in? And it also gives us another chance to add in some of the little details and jokes that we uh, try to squeeze into everything. Gotcha. Gotcha. So um, one other thing that I was kind of curious about was... Um, you know how how did you guys come to work with with QuirkBooks to get this book put put together? Um, and did you pitch them a story, or was there like a previous relationship that you guys had had? Previous relationship for sure. Um, our editor Rick um, was somebody that we've just met on the indie comics uh, circuit for like five years, five six years. And when he first met us, he was like, "Oh, you should make a book with my publisher Quirk." Um, that'd be great. And we're like, oh, that sounds amazing. Uh, but at the time, we had just gotten into making picture books. Um, so I think we we kind of were not really struggling, but trying to figure out where we wanted to shift next as a brand. Like if we wanted mm-hmm. to do more kid stuff or if we wanted to do more like edgy adult stuff. Um, so our next when we saw him, we had made like two picture books and then we kind of had a little powwow and we're like, we love doing picture books, but we want to do something that's like really weird and kind of dark. Um, let's go, <laughs> let's go pitch an idea to Rick and, um, Bites of Terror just seemed like the perfect idea to pitch to him because I think right at that time, Comic-Con had just announced that Creepshow was coming back and all these horror anthologies were coming back into the TV side of it. Uh, so I think we just got perfect timing right there. Gotcha. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I, I'm just like personally curious about how you met. Like, what's your story? Ooh, our meet cute. Um, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, we met at work, um, as a lot of people do. And um, I don't know. We talked about horror conventions on our first date and was like, I to me, I was like, you like horror and you like video games? Oh my gosh, we should get married. And that's pretty much how it went. <laughs> and now here you are with a with a horror anthology. It's perfect. Yeah, yeah <laughs> yes, we're, right. we're, we're, we're still, still doing the things we love together, which yeah. I do think helps make a healthy relationship. Yeah. It's very nice. It's very wholesome. <laughs> <laughs> I think one of my favorite parts of this was that I that I opened up the book and immediately saw your table of contents, which reads like a menu. Yeah, that was something that um, Jimmy and our editor Rick kind of worked on together, if you want to say more about that. Oh, yeah. And it definitely helped us 
kind of double check what I mentioned earlier about having a good spread of food. Cause when we first started roughing that idea out, there was a lot of dessert. <laughs> <laughs> so we, we used that concept to help us bring almost a beginning, middle and an end to grouping the stories together, which in an anthology, you know, catching that, um, that flow was something we wanted to try to work out. And uh, the menu concept actually helped us make sure that that worked. So I, I was pretty happy with that, how that came together and really what it offered to make the book better. Yeah, I think so. And, and it was kind of, it's kind of interesting, like with the appetizer section or the starters where, um, is water, watermelon a starter? It could be. Sure. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Let's just throw it in there. <laughs> Yeah, I I had completely forgotten about uh, the way that the stories were organized by the time I was really into the book. And then, you know, you end the story with your desserts and it's perfect. And it was just an impressive organization uh, decision. Thank you. Yeah, we um, had a lot of fun trying to map everything out. No, Uh, for... for, Go ahead, go ahead. Um, well, I was about to take it like way off topic. So. <laughs> oh, okay. So I, I actually had one more little on topic, I guess, question for the book. Um, for you, you know, you guys said you're pr- pretty big horror fans. Are there are there any horror Easter eggs in there for like other folks who are maybe a little bit more diehard? I'm not really like a big horror fan, but uh, I like again, I really enjoyed the book because it's about food, and that's not scary to me. But um, <laughs> are, are there any like Easter eggs for folks out there who are like really into horror? Oh yeah, definitely. Um, we try to throw as many like little hidden jokes and easter eggs and everything we make um yeah so there are like little nods to directors or um there's definitely a major nod in pizza party massacre to slumber slumber party massacre um mm-hmm. so and everything that we create we either try and have like a nod to horror or even within there like a nod to food um like i don't know if anybody's caught on yet that goffrey and um potluck that's actually like a type of waffle <laughs> that's like that oh. i need to make it's like supposed to be like a, the world the world's tastiest type of waffle um so when i was looking that up i was like oh that, that feels like a name that could be like joffrey goffrey whatever mm-hmm, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah see i'm uncultured i just thought that was a cool name yeah, <laughs> yeah you know he, he kind of runs with that dark crowd yeah it all kind of goes together yeah so you said that um you you worked on the indie court the sorry the indie comics uh scene i guess so do you do you read a lot of comics too oh yeah we do um but right now mostly a lot on the indie side just to kind of um support um some of our more independent comic shops and our friends making comics so totally um right now before we hopped on i was just reading some zines by alex party um, that were hilarious and, and made me blush. I was like, ooh, that's that's bad. Because <laughs> his humor is very twisted. Um, and I also was just reading this one comic from, I don't know if you've heard of Atomic Books in Baltimore. That's like our famous little comic shop. Um, but I went online uh, whenever kind of like bookstores were asking people to, you know, try and shop online as much as possible. And I just found this one book, which... People might know about Julian Glander more than I do, but I got Julian's 3D Sweeties um, because it looked like a diorama comic. I, I try and collect diorama books as much as possible, um, but this little indie comic is like all 3D animated uh, with a bunch of dark, weird humor in it. Um, so that's currently what I'm reading. 
Yeah, and right now, at this time of year, we would just have come back from MoCA in New York, typically. And yeah. that's yeah. usually where we're picking up a giant bundle of indie comics, just walking around there and, and getting our hands on whatever we can. Yeah, and we pretty much shop with, that looks weird, I'll buy it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's the best way to go through some of those conventions. I mean, I, I, I've been to MoCA once, and I mean, I always go to, like, you know, little smaller conventions like FlameCon, I mean, which is now kind of like a bigger convention um, in New York. And it's it's always just like, oh, that looks cool. I'm just going to buy this. And then you come home with an entire bag full of, of zines and other stuff. Um, but, yeah, I guess. Uh, so, if you you know, right now we're kind of in a, in a weird time, um, trademark, I guess. But, um, I'll, you know, when you guys are regularly touring, um, do you have any conventions that you really dig on? Yeah, our big three, I guess, are AwesomeCon here in D.C., um, mm-hmm. which we were able to attend the first one, which was kind of small at that point. It was just in one room, and now it's a big mega convention. Mm-hmm. Um, that's our real, real local one. Uh, the Small Press Expo is one that we attend every year um, mm-hmm. and show at. Um, that one's excellent and amazing. We love the people who organize that, and they have such a great group of artists there. And Mocha is our other third one um, that we tend to do every year. Gotcha. Uh, do you do you have a favorite out of those three? <laughs> or, is it, or is it always hard <laughs> really, to pick? Are they, are they listening? Um, I guess I would, I would have to say Small Press Expo because that was the very first one that we showed at. Um, and I really like how they kind of set up their guest list. Um, it's half lottery and half curated. Mm-hmm. Um, so that people who just started making comics like three months ago or six months ago can have a table next to somebody who's been making comics for decades. Right. Um, and I think it just creates a beautiful artistic opportunity for everybody. And it's always packed. And that's a show where I feel like you can I mean, same thing with Mocha, too. But you can really discover people and then watch their careers just take off. Mm-hmm. Like, Noel Stevenson was somebody that we got to see, like, right when Nimona was coming out. And mm-hmm. um, now look at her. She's like, Shira. Yeah. <laughs> right, right, right. We, we got to see a lot of people like Mike Mitchell um, and Ali Moss and Scott C, Scott C. Yeah. and Dustin Harvin. Um, so it's it's just a place where you get to meet your heroes and have conversations about just really anything. It doesn't even have to be comics. Yeah, I, I definitely dig on like those conventions for that same reason too mostly because like everybody at the at these like spx and and mocha and all that other stuff there everyone's so approachable because it doesn't feel like there's this big huge like spotlight i guess on them like you get at some bigger conventions where there's like a bodyguard and a huge line that wraps around because not i mean like there are people who are i guess like bigger names in the indie scene but it never feels like that they like they're someone that's like a celebrity and by any means they just feel like a regular person which is always great to just you know say hey i really like this thing and they're like oh thank you so much and then they start crying and then you're crying and like everyone's <laughs> having a good time like at least that's what i've always found maybe that that's just me all the time all the time <laughs> uh, <laughs> no, we've, we've actually had some interesting experiences. We had somebody serenade us all of a sudden. We're like, oh, oh that's what we're doing now. Very cool. <laughs> right? I, I got like with music? Yeah, you're sketched. <laughs> <laughs> um, but I will say about like the, the setup, though, um, especially with Small Press Expo, I am just forever impressed by them because when you do have people who have lines up just wrap around the building, um, they strategically place them closer to an exit so that it's not block- blocking other artists, mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. which I think always 
is kind of a not so great thing when you're showing if the person next to you was like so popular, you're like, please, but make room for my table. I'm, I'm, I'm so mm-hmm. tiny. But <laughs> small press is, is good about knowing how to yeah. work that work around that. Well, I guess I have like one last horror question for you guys. Um, do you do you have any horror movies that you recommend to people that are maybe recent or some old classics that you guys have been recently revisiting? Is there anything that like people should absolutely check out? Um, and if you say Midsummer, I know I need to go see it. That one I understand. But um, are there any other any movies or anything like that that you guys are really digging on? You want to recommend to people? Oh, Jimmy is pulling up his letterbox <laughs> list. So that's perfect. No, no, that's great. <laughs> Well, we no, track all our movies. <laughs> one that oh, been, do you have? Oh, go ahead. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Go ahead. I was gonna say one that I've been mentioning a lot is the there was a film made of Tales from the Crypt in the 70s, in the 1970s, mm-hmm. and it is amazing. It's it's another anthology film. Um, it has a couple of stories that are thread together by a really great wraparound segment. Um, I'm not sure how many people know that that film exists, but it's completely worth checking out. Yeah, like we actually. Um, I don't know if you're on Letterboxd, but we are, and I'm on there as Cuddles in Your Age, but we have a whole um, Bites of Terror films that inspired the book. Um, so I think that um, there are a lot of films here that people should see. And I guess to answer your question, so like Pieces is a wonderful film. We also have a <laughs> mm-hmm. puzzle that we're going to <laughs> we're gonna make it that. So people who are horror fans who are looking for puzzles right now, go to Messed Up Puzzles, and you'll find some great puzzles there. Um, I think with the uh, creep, with the was it both of them, Duplass brothers, or just one? I think it may have been just the one. Just the one. Yeah. That's a really great, like small, creepy, um, little kind of horror film yeah. that I really feel like somebody could be making right now in their house because it all takes place in one location. Um, and then Night of the Hunter is a super classic, which unfortunately they're remaking. And I wish I could put a ban on that. I was doing a live when a friend texted me that they're remaking The Night of the Hunter. And I, I stopped my live. I was like, I'm sorry. This is, this is so upsetting. <laughs> I, need, I need to address this. <laughs> um, yeah, then there's one more more recent one I would throw in there. It's It recently came out on VOD. It's called Swallow. Um, oh, yeah. It's a movie that I got to see at Fantastic Fest last year. We go to that festival every year in Austin. Um it, it is a horror film, but there's a lot more to it than that. And I think that one's definitely one people should see. And I would say, and see, you got to start it on a topic that like, will never stop. <laughs> no, this is all great. This is, I mean, like I said, I'm not a huge horror fan, but I will take, you know, recommendations to at least try some stuff. Maybe I can, I can get over the fear to sit down and watch a really good film. Well, here's a non-horror film that did inspire us. And that's a beautiful film um, is The Swimmer with Burt Lancaster. It's Mm -hmm. an older movie, but it is so good, and it just makes you kind of rethink life and people around you if you're in that mood right now. Yeah, I'll throw one more in there just while we're on it. Uh, (laughs) No, that's fine. Go for it. One of the things that that I love are movies about people coming together and making things, and Ed Wood from Tim Burton is an all-time favorite of mine. And I don't know, there's just something about when you're making things and you're an artist who's creating a work – and people come together around you to help you make that thing. I think that movie celebrates that more than any other that I've seen. Mm-hmm. Well, that's why you just watched uh, American Movie uh, another, over again. Yep. I hope you've seen that one, right? Please say yes. I you said American. I American I don't know what movie. that is. It's yeah, a documentary. I heard of that. It's great. Like out of all the choices we just told you, go skip to that one first. <laughs> this is the 1999 film. Just to just to make sure I've got it right. The Chris Smith. 
Yeah. Yep. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The one. Um, that's a pretty amazing story. Yes. <laughs> and that will okay. also inspire you to make, no matter what the circumstances. <laughs> I'm so excited to follow you guys on Letterboxd and see all the movies that I need to sit down and actually watch. Because otherwise, I'm just going to watch Spider-Man Into the Spider-Verse over and over on repeat. <laughs> oh, um, <so> yeah. <laughs> Five-star film right there. Yeah. <laughs> right, right. Um <laughs> Well, yeah, no, that's, I mean, that's really cool. I'm glad that you, you I was going to ask if you had a letterbox because I think that that's like a natural, natural pairing of, of this kind of stuff. Um, so yeah, I guess uh, we'll, we'll make sure to plug all that stuff in the, uh, in our show notes. But uh, Kate, did you have anything else you wanted to get to? I'm, I'm, I'm just going to keep asking them about horror films because I'm very <laughs> curious. It's just something I know nothing about. Um, do you, so you mentioned that you follow a lot of different creators and you meet a lot of different people. Do you have any horror comics that you recommend? Ooh, good question. Um, well, I don't know that we've read too recently. Well, one comic that kind of I was reading somewhat recently that dips into that is Headlopper. Oh, oh yes. Yeah. Like a that, lot. It, yeah. I've heard oh, a lot about that. Oh, that reminds me. Into the Woods. Have you read that? Mm-hmm. By mm-hmm. Emily Carroll? Is that right? I think so, yeah. Mm-hmm. So I like the look of that one. Um and then you know what? Even though it's not really horror, I think it kind of lays into the spooky. But I love the over the garden wall comics. Like I feel like they just let you read them and feel like it's Halloween every day, no matter what. <laughs> <laughs> um, the Sabrina comics have been really great. That's a series we stayed on. Yeah, I just ordered Archie Afterlife so I could get into oh. that one. Uh, yeah, Ar- Afterlife with Arch, or is it a- oh, Archie Afterlife? <laughs> there's. There's both of them. There's, I mean, there's there's Afterlife with Archie and then Archie Afterlife were like so many things. The Archie comic brand is so interesting that they're so that they're willing to try all of this. I want to say like off brand kind of stuff, right? Because when you think of Archie, it's so wholesome and it's just like, oh, don't worry, I'm gonna you know knock something down and get the girl at the end of the day. But instead, it's like no, and then we're gonna do a story about witches who summon like the devil and actually are killing people and sacrificing goats and all this other stuff. Um, and it's all under the same umbrella brand using the same characters. I think it's it's like such a bold choice for them, and it super works because I'm totally sucked into all of it now. Yes, yes, and I have it Afterlife with Archie is one I'm gonna start reading. But you're kind of right. Like, do they? just use sabrina though to bring in everything spooky because well it they... depends it it depends on the story because okay. like there's also the jug uh, what's it jughead the werewolf or something he becomes like a or a wendigo or something Ooh. um and like i don't think sabrina's involved in that at all i think he just accidentally becomes a wendigo <laughs> that seems appropriate <laughs> yes, <you do. laughs> yeah that would be what Jughead does. Um, but again, it's like, I don't know what your background is in terms of like reading Archie comics and stuff. But at the same time, even when I went into books like Afterlife with Archie, I picked up everything within the first couple of pages, knowing nothing about Archie. And then I became so interested in the characters to be like, hold on, they did this horror series on it. What else? What is this actually about? What are what are all these characters? Or who are all these characters? And then I started reading Archie comics. Like they they got me. Like the the people at Archie comics pulled me in, and now they have like a lifetime fan because they're they were able to really convince me that their happy go lucky brand can do something very different and very very well. Um, plus, I mean, like the art the art team on that is is just unbelievable. But um, yeah, it's it's such a fun like series of books. I definitely recommend Jughead: The Hunger if you have not read that yet. Okay, yeah, I'll More definitely that. do yeah. that. Um, yeah, I was surprised when I got the book. I didn't, I haven't been following it that closely, but I, that Frank Avia's 
the one that illustrated it. I mean, we love him. Right, we have right. some original art from him too. <laughs> oh, nice. <laughs> Very nice. That guy loves horror comics. I've seen some of the stuff he posts on Twitter. He, the, the posters that he's done are just magnificent. Um, of like all the, the, the various like creature features and stuff like that that he's done in his style. It's so fantastic. What's the original piece that you guys have from him? Oh, I, we commissioned a creature from the Black Lagoon from him, and <gasps> it's awesome. That's yeah. so cool. <laughs> That's very, very cool. Um, well, yeah, I guess, Kate, did you have any, any final questions? Because uh, otherwise I'm just going to like geek out and keep asking questions about all the cool stuff these guys have in their house. And we're going to get a, an <laughs> audio tour about everything that they have. <laughs> I could also keep asking for media recommendations like all day. Just stay yeah. on the line. Um <laughs> What can pe- what can people do to help you guys out right now? Do you have like a web store or anything like that? Yeah, I think um, definitely grabbing a copy of Bites of Terror and, you know, putting it on your to read list on Goodreads or writing a review and just sharing it online with people. I think that's definitely the best way to support our work right now um, because we have our own Etsy store, but really for for me, like I make my living selling books. So we're, we're, we hope that this opportunity would lead to a second one. Um, but it's definitely different trying to promote a book during a pandemic. Yeah. Yeah. It, it's available everywhere. And we kind of, as people have been asking, we're telling them to go talk to your local store because they can get it. And if you want to support your local bookstore or comic shop, uh, that's a good way to do that too. Yeah. I've definitely been trying to call our local stores, um, and make sure that they have it and then push people, push people there, um, just to kind of keep those guys going too. Cause it is right now, I think it's an interesting time just to see how the community is really coming together. And, Mm -hmm. um, one of our comic stores that we go to is third eye comics and they, oh man, they'll even deliver it in their van to your door. (laughs) (laughs) That's so cool. Yeah, they've they've really they've really gotten like the personal shopper experience down. <laughs> um, we also, I mean, if you just want to follow us or see more from us, Instagram's our main platform, and we post comics and videos there all the time. And we're somehow growing bigger on TikTok, which I always feel like people are like TikTok. I'm like, I don't know, it just kind of happened. We have this one video called Corn Dog Drama that we actually made for fantastic fest that all of a sudden it got 2 million views and Whoa. i know right and so i can i keep posting videos to tiktok but it's um all the people are like where's corn dog drama episode two where's corn? <laughs> and then when i do lives on there they're like where's corn dog drama one person specifically it made me laugh so hard she's like it's been eight videos since you posted your last oh corn dog drama <laughs> Um. <laughs> See, but if you give the people exactly what they want, they're they're just gonna they're gonna get spoiled. So you gotta make them wait, right? Yeah, That's the idea. Exactly. <laughs> Although I, I do, I can relate to the eight videos and counting. I'm like, yeah. oh, I'm on it. Okay, we're just trying to work things out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Well, that's cool. So, yeah, we'll make sure to get all those that stuff. We'll put it in in the, in the show notes so you guys can go follow them. Um, but yeah, this is this has been fantastic. I mean, thank you guys so much for your time today. I I really am like I really love the book. I think it was a really fun read. Um, so thank you so much for for getting a copy to me. Um, it's 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 a very nice physical book to sit on your shelf. So um, if you guys get a chance, make sure to go buy a physical copy from your from your local shop, as they said. Um, but yeah, I guess so. People can find you on the internet. You guys are all cuddles and rage on all the various social media platforms 
Yes, we've been very fortunate to get that name right away. We're like, it's a new platform. I'm getting the name. <laughs> cool, cool. Well, yeah, then we will make sure that's all in the show notes. Um, as for us, you can follow us on Twitter. I am at Mike Rappin, and Kate is Kate at Kate L. Fear. You can follow the show at IRCB Podcast, where I try to post regularly. I take photos of every single book that I have in my house, because that's all that I have. But I want to make her Instagram look cool, so I try to do that. The show and our many subscriber-only episodes are powered by fans like you on Patreon. Join now at patreon.com slash IRCB podcast. And if you haven't already, please rate and review our show five stars on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and your favorite podcatcher. You can join us on Discord at ircbpodcast.com slash Discord. And don't forget, tell a friend or a foe even about this show. Infinity Shred is the best band in the universe. They do all of our music. Xander is a high wizard, a great GM, and just a great friend. He also edits the show. I want to say thank you to Liz and Jimmy for being on the show. Thank you to Kate for being here as always. And thank you to everyone out there who listens. Until next time, be safe, wash your hands, comics are good, and so are you.